lines of healing. Amen. And there's so much in the Word about it, so we're going to just keep on camping out in a good place to camp. Amen. But uh, uh, for those of you that are giving tonight electronically, wanted to go ahead and make the uh, opportunity available to you. If you're giving by text, you can go ahead and just follow the instructions that are going up there right now. You can type seven nine uh, seven seven nine seven seven. And uh, uh, if you're doing it for the first time, you got to do that first time setup. But if you're already rolling, then then you can just do what you do. Um, so that that's a one way to give. Of course, you can go uh, to uh, faithccenter.com. You can go ahead and give there. And uh, you can also just drop your physical offering here in the building tonight. Uh, we've got the offering containers in the back, uh, offering envelopes there, pens there. So you can go ahead and fill out your offering envelope directly there. If you're making a check out, you can make it payable to FCC. And of course, those of you at home that want to go ahead and send a check in, uh, you can go ahead and make that, like I said, payable to FCC and just send it to our address, which is Faith Christian Center, 95 Sagamore Road, Seekonk, Massachusetts, 02771. I believe in giving. How about you? I just do. I do because I've been walking this walk a long time and I've seen the goodness of God. You know, we were talking a minute ago about how uh, you can know that Jesus is a healer because somebody told you, but then you can know he's a healer because you've experienced it for yourself. Well, you can also know that God is a good provider because somebody told you, but then you can know it because you just know it for yourself. <laughs> You, you, you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and saw the goodness of God in your finances. And once you do, ain't nobody talking you out of it. You just know that it's directly connected to, to us following uh, him regarding his laws concerning giving and receiving. It works, it works, it works. Praise God, it works. So I encourage all of you tonight uh, to m make sure you're uh, uh, do, doing your... Uh, doing your giving, whether here or at the end of service, don't miss out the opportunity to, to be blessed and to live under an open heaven. Amen. Praise God. Um, uh, don't forget all my men that are in the house tonight and those of you that are, that are watching, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock, we've got a men's meeting right here in the house. And uh, it's going to be a real blessing. We're, we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, have a... Uh, some so, some uh, teaching time, uh, and then along with that teaching time is going to be some interactive things, so some things that 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 you know you are doing on your own in response to the teaching, and uh, so we're we're going to go ahead and have a a re real time of us as men being challenged to to step it up and be all that God's called us to be. Not be half of what God's called us to be, be all of what God's called us to be. And so we're uh, encouraging all of you, if you have not yet done so, you can sign up for that right on the church website, faithccenter.com. There's not a cost. We just want to know you're coming. And uh, we're looking forward to that. That'll be Saturday morning, 9 a.m. We'll have you out in enough time to mow the lawn. But uh, don't miss out on a real good thing that God will be doing here Saturday. I know you'll be very, very blessed. Well, um, this is uh, uh, the, the fourth week that I've covered for Pastor on this um, uh, healing series. And uh, the first three of these, we talked about the origin of sickness and covered a lot of territory. And I encourage everybody... You don't get everything the first time. And we've got ways where you can go ahead and listen and re-listen. So if you missed one, the first time is listening. And then after that, you can re-listen. Uh, uh, so uh, we, we encourage that, that that's available through our podcast. And also, uh, you can just go and find our live streams going back several weeks. And, and even though we're not live anymore, you can still go ahead and... Uh, you know, experience the whole service there where you're experiencing both the, the praise and the worship and the word, you know, hook up your phone to your TV, whatever you got to do, just have, have a great experience, have church on Thursday night, 
<laughs> have church on Friday night, you know. But uh, uh, we definitely encourage you, don't miss any of this because th- this is very, very pivotal. It's, it's not pivotal because I said it. So what if I said it? It's pivotal because God said it. And if I'm telling you something God said, then I need it. You need it. We all need it. Amen. All right. But uh, tonight, uh, we're, we're going to stick with the subject of healing, but a, a different direction. I want to talk to you about the fact that God is willing to heal you. God is willing to heal you. And, and the approach we're going to take tonight is we're going to go ahead and look into the Word at multiple things that communicate that truth to us. Multiple things in the Word that communicate His willingness to heal you. Mark chapter 1, there's a beautiful uh, incident in there of a leper that came to Jesus and uttered these words, If you will, I know you can heal me. If you will. In other words, if you want to, I know you can. And Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I will be cleansed, be made whole. And he was. Now think about this. We've heard all this social distancing talk. And if I don't ever hear the term again, it's all right by me. Somebody testify. <laughs> but talking about social distancing, that, that was the, the life experience of a leper. A leper was one who wherever he went, he had to announce he was coming by saying, unclean, unclean. Because it's a catchy, majorly contagious disease. And so he had to go ahead and get the word out so that people can, talking about social distancing, it was more than six feet when the leper was coming. But I got to tell you, Jesus, with the, the heart of compassion that he had, reached out and touched the man that everybody else ran away from. Isn't that amazing? Jesus touched him. And settled the issue is this man had a question regarding Jesus' willingness. Not about Jesus' ability to do it. He had already heard about what Jesus can do. And you know, uh, may have heard from a blind guy who got his sight restored. Or you know, he may have heard from uh, somebody else who, who was uh, uh, just uh, uh, healed in some way by Jesus. So he didn't have any doubt about his ability, but he wondered about his willingness. And Jesus settled the issue by saying, I will be clean. And I want to say boldly to everybody in this room tonight and to everybody that's watching by live stream, Jesus says, I will to you too. Yeah, come on, I need, I need louder amens because it's got to get through the mask, you know what I'm saying? Got to get to the other side of the mask, so louder amen, yeah, that's it. Glory to God. He says, I will to you, and he says, I will to me, glory to God. So, let's go ahead and check this out. How is his willingness to heal seen in the scripture? This is a very interesting thing I want to get started with tonight. And I call it um, that his willingness to heal is seen in the way he shepherds people. In the way that he, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, shepherds people. And all the sheep said, bah. All right, here we go. Now, one chapter of the Old Testament that has a whole lot to say about what God's like as a shepherd and also 
what he don't like in the way people shepherd people. Because, you know, God, God has a take on things. And his take is always right. He's just always right. And uh, uh, there's ways that people have been shepherded that God doesn't like. Ways that sheep have been treated that God does not approve of. So a big chapter of the Old Testament that talks about this is Ezekiel chapter 34. And we're going to look at what God had to say about shepherding in relation to healing. And you're going to go ahead and get a real good indication of what he's like. Uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 4. This is God's complaint against the shepherds of Israel. When you read the full context of it, you'll see that. And part of his complaint was this. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you've ruled them. So this is God's complaint about how the shepherds of Israel were handling their shepherding duties. And God was not happy. But what's right up there? The weak you've not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick. So in the mind of God, uh, a healing ministry is supposed to be part of a shepherd's care for the sheep. And that's one reason why the under-shepherd of this house, Pastor John, had it on his heart to go ahead and minister along the lines of healing. Because a shepherd that looks out for the sheep according to the way that God expects a shepherd to look out for the sheep, will always bring healing to them. And the way that we're bringing healing to you tonight is we're bringing the healing word to you. We're bringing the healer himself to you. And I'll tell you, you know, when you know him and when you know his word, there's no way, there's no reason to be stuck where you're at. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, how does God shepherd? Well, it's right there in the same chapter. We'll look at verse 15 and 16. He said, I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. Verse uh, 16. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I'll destroy the fat, the strong, and feed them in judgment. But how does God handle the sick? He binds up the broken and strengthens what was sick. God does the very thing that he was putting out a complaint that those other shepherds were not doing. Are you with me on that? Now check this out. God says another thing about shepherds here that was a prophetic statement about somebody who is coming. This is the same chapter, Ezekiel 34, but I want to take a look at 23, all right? 23 and 24. This is God speaking. He said, I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Now, one thing you think, all right, well, who's my servant David? Well, it's not talking about David as we understand the the young boy who uh, slew Goliath and became the second king of Israel. Because Ezekiel was writing this after David. All right, so hold on with me a minute. I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. Now, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, 
a prince among them, I the Lord have spoken. So the Lord says, I have spoken. And he's talking about sending this servant David to be shepherd of his people. Now, it is interesting when you understand that this servant of David, uh, uh, or, or no, not, not the servant of David, the Lord's servant, my servant David, also can be referred to as uh, the son of David, because this servant David was actually coming out of David's descendants. So he wasn't just the, uh, the, the Lord's servant David, he was actually a direct descendant of David, or you might say a son of David. Now, why is that important? Because, you see, the people in Jesus' time would read scriptures like that. They would read Ezekiel 34. They would know that God complained about the shepherds that weren't bringing healing to people. That God himself said that he was going to bind up the broken and heal the sick. And that God said that he was sending his servant David to shepherd the people. Which means that he, if he was shepherding them the way that God shepherds, then he was going to go ahead and have healing involved in what he was doing, what he was bringing to God's people. Now, can, can you follow me here? Now that we've established that, I want you to look at Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. And he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spake and saw. Spoke and saw. Next verse. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Wow. Why was that? Because there was a reasonable expectation on their part that when this son of David came, when God's servant David uh, uh, came to earth to shepherd his people Israel, that one of the things that he was going to be marked for is that he was going to be a healer. Just like the very one who sent him is a healer, the one being sent is a healer. And so when the multitudes saw all these miracles and healings taking place, what was their response? It was this. Could this be the son of David? And as you go through the, the Gospels, and you know, I mean, that's Matthew 12. There's three other times in Matthew where you see the term son of David. In Matthew 9, you got two blind men that followed Jesus and cried out saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Matthew 15, you got a woman of Canaan who's making requests on her daughter who was severely demon-possessed and said, Have mercy on your Lord, son of David. And her daughter was delivered. Matthew 20, once again, two blind men that said, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Because there was the reasonable expectation and the understanding that this one here, if he's son of David, then he's coming to shepherd the people the exact way that God takes care of the people. And God is a healer, so therefore the one sent by God is also healer. Now how long is that going to last for? How long is Jesus going to go ahead and serve in that capacity? Oh, don't get want to know. Luke chapter 1. This is the angel Gabriel speaking to Mary about Jesus. This is Mary's first introduction to any of this stuff that's going to be happening. Luke 1, 32. Gabriel said he will be great. And will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Verse 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
and of his kingdom there will be no end. Hallelujah. That tells me that this son of David, this one called to reign and to sit on David's throne and to reign on David's throne, he's called to reign forever. So that means all the blessings and the good things that come along with him aren't temporary things, aren't things that just last for a while and fizzle away. Thank God all of the blessings that come with him are going to go ahead and keep on rolling. Of his kingdom there will be no end. That means all the kingdom benefits. There's not an end. The only situation in which there be an end is if you just flat don't need them anymore. Hallelujah. But otherwise, as long as you need them, you've got them. Glory to God. Amen. Now, if you have gone through the Old Testament a little bit, the Psalms, and even uh, other places uh, throughout, uh, uh, you know, Kings and Chronicles in there, you will see this phrase. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Now, these people that cried out to the son of David during the lifetime, the life and ministry of Jesus, they would say, son of David, have Mercy on me. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus wasn't correcting them saying, well, you know, really to be exact, you really don't need mercy. You really need healing. Jesus didn't do that. Because you see, one thing we saw within the last few weeks is that God wrapped up Forgiveness and sins and healing of the body together. They came out of the same work, were paid for by the same price. It's a package deal. And when it comes to the mercy of God, anything that mercy will get you, you ask for mercy, you got it. You ask for mercy, mercy will get you the forgiveness of your sins, but mercy also gets you the healing of your body, and you don't have to wonder where the mercy is still available because the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. And so if it endures forever, it's enduring right now, it's available today. Hallelujah. You start thinking about these things, they'll get you fired up somebody. Hallelujah. So we see the willingness of God to heal in the way he shepherds people. And in the ultimate shepherd that he sent to shepherd his people, that being the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We also see this. God's willingness to heal is seen in what I would call Old Testament types of healing. Old Testament types of healing. Now, when I'm talking about the Old Testament, I'm talking about uh, the first 39 books of the Bible, Genesis through Malachi specifically. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you've got a whole lot of ground there, a whole lot of history there. But there's, uh, there's things that God put in there very intentionally and purposefully to reveal things about his character. And that's what we're doing. We're seeing his willingness to heal manifest in various different ways. So here we're going to look at some of the Old Testament types of healing. And one of the first places we're going to go is to the very place where God introduced himself by name as I am the Lord that heals you in the Hebrew Jehovah Rapha. Yeah. God actually has an eternal name that identifies him as healer. Exodus chapter 15. And that particular incident where God introduced himself by that name is uh, 
uh, preceded by this particular experience that the Israelites had when they just had first crossed the Red Sea and left Egypt behind. Now, starting with verse 23, it says, Now when they, the children of Israel, came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah, and the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now when I talk about Old Testament types of healing. What do I mean by type? A type, you know, you could say a type or a shadow. It's something that is not the, the substance in and of itself, but points to the actual substance. Like you, you can see something that is, uh, uh, you know, I, right now I can see my shadow. But if you came down here and wanted to go ahead and lay one on that shadow, I ain't going to feel a thing. But the shadow is pointing <laughs> to the fact that there's someone standing here. The, the shadow is pointing to the fact that there is substance somewhere that looks like that. Even though I'm pretty tall here. You know? <laughs> oh, I had to have some fun with y'all. All right. Um, but but check this out, and th this is part of the type that we see here. When, when the people were complaining about this bitter water, what did uh, Moses do? And directed by God to do this. It said that he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now, what significance is a tree? Well, it's significant when you understand this, that the, the term, uh, we use the term cross very often, but what's a cross made out of? A cross is made out of wood, and where does wood come from? Wood comes from a tree. And in Galatians chapter 3, it actually uses that terminology because it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, as it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that tree there went into the water that was bitter and made that water that was, would have made you sick a minute ago, now it make you healthy and bring life and nourishment to you. And in the very same way, that's a foreshadowing of what happened in the cross. The very fact that Jesus, by dying on the tree as he did, could take any part of humanity that was messed up and bitter, and the bitter was made sweet. Hallelujah. So when the provision of the cross got involved, when the provision of the cross got involved, that which was bitter was no longer bitter. That which was once, uh, you, you, you could not use it. There was, there, was no, the, there was no use of it. There was no benefit. If you, if you got involved in drinking this, this would harm you. And just like that, what was harming you is now helping you. Because the tree got involved. Hallelujah. And so that's why when you take that and look that through the eyes of what Jesus did on the cross and the fact that Jesus died on the tree, you say, well, all of the messes that I had and all of the messes that, that I got involved in, if I could just go ahead and get the tree involved in the mess, it'll take that which was once a messing and turn it into a blessing somebody. Hallelujah. Now, so there's that instance, but I also want to go back a little bit further and take a look at the Passover, and specifically the, the Passover lamb. 
Now the, the Passover was a feast that God instituted right at the time that the Israelites were making their exodus out of Egypt. And uh, God said he wanted a lamb without blemish to be slain. The, the body of the lamb was roasted in fire and eaten and the blood of that lamb to be applied to the doorpost of the house. How many of you have some kind of familiarity with the history of what Passover is? Uh, it's, uh, uh, God established it. You can read about it in the book of uh, Genesis. I'm, I'm sorry, the book of Exodus. But then you, you know that that feast is still celebrated even to this very day. But there was something about the, this feast that was not intended just to uh, uh, stand alone. God intended this to be one of those types, one of those shadows uh, that pointed to the substance of the real thing. Now let's check this out. Because this is a series of verses that have to do with that particular incident of the Passover and the circumstances regarding that. This is Psalm 105, verse 36 and 37. It says that he also destroyed all the firstborn, the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. And he also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. There was none feeble among his tribes. Among all of those that he brought out, they had money in their pocket and there was none feeble among them. There was none that was weak among them. Specifically, uh, none that were uh, weak in their legs or stumbling or couldn't get, get, get by. No, that there was strength in their legs. There was life and energy in their legs. And they could go ahead and get ready for that journey they were going on. There was none feeble among his tribes. So that just tells you this, that at this time of Passover, when God took his people out, how did he take them out? He didn't take them out as slaves. He took them out as people who are now free, people with money in their pocket, and people who were not feeble. If they ever were feeble, they're not feeble anymore. They are healthy and ready to go for the journey up ahead to the land God was taking them to. Hallelujah. Now, what does this point to ultimately? We see this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8. It says, Therefore... Purge out the old leaven, because that feast of Passover, also called the feast of unleavened bread. Uh, purge out the old leaven, that, that you may be a, a new lump, since you are truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth." Check this out here, that Christ is our Passover. Christ, you see, that, that little Passover lamb that, that, that had to be pure and unspotted and was uh, uh, slain and shed its blood and its body was uh, 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 ultimately consumed by, by, by the people as they were, as the Lord said, eat standing up tonight because you're getting ready to leave. You're getting ready to leave Egypt behind and go into where I've uh, the the place that I've got for you, and, and so we see that this Passover lamb and, and the 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 type uh, of what this lamb was ultimately pointing to the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world, ultimately pointing to Christ, our Passover. You might say Christ, our Passover lamb. The one identified by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But where's the healing connection here? The healing connection here, you remember we read that in that initial Passover, when God brought them out, 
There was none feeble among his tribes. And I want you to know that for the uh, believer in Christ, if you're going to find healing and strength and, and, and vigor in the type, you're definitely going to find healing and strength and vigor and the substance of that type. And that substance is Christ, our Passover lamb, who is slain not just for the forgiveness of our sins, but also for the healing of our sickness and disease. Amen. Let's go ahead and dig into this a little further tonight. Uh, another one of these uh, beautiful pictures that you see in the Old Testament, a type of the one who was to come. This is Numbers chapter 21. By the way, how many of you have ever been stuck behind an ambulance before? Hey. Better be stuck behind one than to be in one. Amen to that. But I, I want you to uh, uh, just think with me and remember the emblem that you see on an ambulance hospitals, uh, you know, any kind of medical facility, you see a serpent wrapped around a pole. How many of you have ever seen that before? A snake, a serpent wrapped around the pole. If you Googled it, Googled it right now, you would see it. I mean, it is so common. It is just out there and uh, very evident. But where did such a image come from? And why on earth was it uh, connected to medicine and, uh, uh, you know, caring for people's physical needs? This is Numbers 21 and verse 4. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became discouraged on, uh, on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now you think, all right, well, that's great. What's that about? That's why we're going to read John 3. And right before the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, you see Jesus making this statement. John 3, 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Think about this, that Jesus himself identified, Jesus identified himself as being the very fulfillment of what happened there. That that was the type, that was the type of what was to come. But he was the ultimate. Because what did he do? Well, hey, this whole mess started with a serpent, isn't that right? This whole mess on planet Earth started because Eve was having a conversation with the serpent and stupid Adam just stood there and let it happen. Now don't get me started now. <laughs> but hey, I'll tell you this. Uh, this whole mess started with a serpent 
But what Jesus did to redeem mankind is he took upon him that, that, that serpent nature that we got called sin. Hallelujah. Jesus took that on himself. You know, all the other messes and curses that came along with what came in when the serpent was allowed access to the world. Glory to God. All of that stuff was laid on Jesus. Sin, sickness, poverty, uh, lack of peace. Don't you know that your lack of peace was laid on him? The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that the chastisement needful to obtain peace for us was upon him. So every mess that was, had anything to do with what, what the serpent allowed into the world and what, what, uh, what the serpent brought with him when he go ahead and, uh, when, when he went ahead and, and came into the world and, and assumed Adam's authority like we talked about last week. When he came in, he brought all that junk with him, but all of that junk that the serpent brought with him there was Jesus who was, uh, took it upon himself, perfect, spotless, but took the sin upon himself. Perfectly healthy, but took the sickness on himself. Perfectly uh, well-to-do for the rest of eternity, and yet he took poverty and lack on himself. Perfectly at peace but took depression on himself. And all of the mess of the serpent was wrapped up there that day and placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God because it was that now when you look to him, the one who carried it on your behalf, the one who bore it on your behalf, the one that although you and me did the crime, that he did the time, when we look at him, just like what happened in the wilderness, when they looked at that serpent, that brass serpent on the pole, they looked and they lived. What happens to you and I when we look to Jesus, when we look to him who bore everything that the serpent brought in for us? We look and we live. We look at the one who bore our sins. We get righteousness. <laughs> we look at the one who bore our sicknesses. We get health. Hallelujah. We look at the one who, who, who bore our poverty. What do we get? We, we get the benefit of having provision and our needs met. We look at the one who bore uh, our depression and our pain and our emotional issues. And what do we get? Perfect peace and perfect soundness. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Because God is willing to heal you. Now, here's the thing. If, if he was willing, but there was no sign that he did anything to make the way so that you could get there, then you might wonder how willing he was. But if you can clearly see that every step along the way that needed to be taken to ensure that you got what he wanted to get to you, that every step was done, every step was accomplished, then that leaves no doubt about his willingness in the matter. It's kind of like this. If I wanted to go ahead and invite you to my house, well, it's real simple. If, if I don't want you coming to my house, I'm not going to tell you how to get to my house. That's pretty simple, right? If I don't want you there, I'm not going to tell you how to get there. I'm not going to give you the address and I'm not going to give you any of that information. But if I'm giving that to you, then that lets you know that it must be all right with Pastor Ray for me to go to his house. Well, in the same way, if the Lord's telling you what's available, and if the Lord's telling you how to get these things, there can be no doubt in your heart or in your mind that he wants you to have it. Because if he didn't want you to have it, he wouldn't have told you how to get it. If he didn't want you to have it, he wouldn't have gone the extra million infinity miles, I say million, it's got more than a million. I mean, how far did he go? He came from heaven and earth to make sure that you got this. Woo, hallelujah. Now, 
Praise the Lord. What about the willingness of God to heal us being seen in Christ's redemptive work? We already touched it. We already got on the edge of it. We're going to go into it a little deeper. We see that in the fact that when Jesus was lifted up on the cross at that moment in time, that was the moment where he was taken upon himself all of the stuff that came in with the serpent. And so that's why Jesus actually allowed himself to be likened unto a serpent. The most pure, the most clean, the most holy allowed himself to be identified as the serpent on the pole. That's how absolutely, uh, uh, you know, un unmistakable this is, that, that Jesus, as the Scripture says, he became sin for us, that we would become the righteousness of God in him. He, he, he became uh, in, in, in a very real sense of the word, he became sick. Not that, uh, not in the sense that Jesus had every condition known to mankind while he was there, but the very root of sickness is, is not physical. That's how it manifests, but the very root of sickness is spiritual. You know, uh, uh, we talked about that quote that, uh, Sickness is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and his mother, sin. So, so you see, here's the thing. You can have the way that a certain thing manifests, but the root of it is still spiritual. And so all of the root of all of that stuff was laid upon Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's check this out. This is Isaiah 53. Such a, an amazing, amazing description of the redemptive work of Christ. Four and five, it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. And then later on in there, it actually says this in verse 10, right at the beginning. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. And what I want you to do is I want you to understand that there was uh, some words here that, that are, weren't translated that way necessarily in Isaiah 53, but are very frequently in Scripture translated as either sickness or pain. It's the word for griefs. That you see there, he has put him to grief. Actually, go back to verse uh, 6. No, verse 5. I'm sorry, verse 5. Yeah, you'll see this clearly in verse 5. So, uh, uh, so we see griefs there in verse 10. And uh, no, actually it was 4. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead to 4. There you go. Griefs and sorrows. That's what I want you to see. So surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That word for griefs is a, a Hebrew word. Uh, sounds a little bit like uh, Kali or Koli. And uh, that there is very often translated as sickness. And the word sorrows is uh, translated elsewhere uh, uh, about th three other times or so in the Old Testament as pain, sorrow, and grief. So it includes the pain aspect in there as well. So you can look at it like this, that where you see the word grief you, you see the word sickness, and where you see the word uh, sorrow, you see the word pain. Young's literal translation actually puts it out just like that, where he said, Surely our sickness he has borne, and our pains he has carried them. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus did that for us. Now, if Jesus did that as our substitute, if Jesus did that as our substitute on our behalf, can I ask you a question? Why would we ever think that it should be necessary for us to bear something that Jesus already bore on our behalf? Oh, come on, somebody. 
if Jesus bore it already as our substitute on our behalf, then I got to tell you, there's no reason why we should go ahead and bear that thing ourselves. Glory to God, rather than bearing it, we can enjoy freedom from it, and we can put our faith in the one who bore it on our behalf. Amen. You know, uh, Matthew 8 reveals this so beautifully. 16 says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. If you had any doubt about who was fulfilling that, Jesus fulfilled that. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And it's interesting that uh, uh, the, the way that uh, the Holy Ghost translated that in the writing of the New Testament is just right, just perfect. If you have, were wondering, well, Pastor Ray, what's all this stuff about grief, meaning uh, sickness and sorrow, meaning uh, pain? Well, if you had any doubt about me, you don't have to doubt Matthew. Because the way Matthew wrote it is exactly that way. He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, here's the thing, glory to God, and always remember this when we're talking about the redemptive work of Christ, is that when we look back to the redemptive work, we're not looking at something that's going to be done. We're looking at something that has already been done. We're not looking at something that's going to be provided. We're looking at something that already has been provided. So Isaiah said that by his stripes or by his bruises, by his wounds, we are healed. How many of you have ever heard that before in your life? Well, interesting that Peter quoted the verse on this side of Calvary. So Isaiah says, by his stripes we are healed about 700 years before Jesus. Jesus came, does what he does, and now Peter, ha having walked with Jesus and having had years of ministry after, is now writing an epistle. And what does he say in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24? He says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. You were healed. You were healed. You might say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, I've had lots of times where I didn't it either. You were healed. You were healed. And I got to tell you, one of the best book covers I ever saw in my life, there was a Dalmatian on there chasing his tail, like dogs like to chase their tail. And the title of the book was this, Why You Trying to Get It When You Already Got It. Is somebody with me tonight? So here's the thing. We're thinking in terms of, all right, I need the Lord to do this for me. Oh, Lord, please do this for me. And yet we fail to realize that the Lord has already done it. There is not anything more possible that he can do. Everything that he needed to do to provide that thing for you has already been done. So now you're not trying to get something that you don't have. No, you're just trying to get the realization that, wait a minute, I'm not trying to get this. I do have this. It's in Christ. And it's in Christ, and it's available to me right now. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. That'll make a mummy shout. <laughs> now... As we close up tonight, there's so much to get into. I mean, you know, th this is dropping the bucket. There's a whole lot more. But I want you to see God's willingness in this one last thing. God's willingness to heal you is seen in the fact that
that he brings life to your mortal bodies. You want to see this? Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And if you are a believer in Jesus, that same spirit dwells inside of you, lives inside of you. And what does he do while he's in there? He is giving life to your mortal body. He's not just giving life to your spirit. Thank God for eternal life in our spirit. We're not putting that down, but that's not what this says. This says he's given life to your mortal body. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, and let's read some other words by the Apostle Paul. He said, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Next verse. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And here's two ways to look at it. You know, Paul being a man who was persecuted for the gospel, his, his body was always in some kind of trouble. Somebody trying to whip him, somebody trying to stone him, somebody trying to persecute him in some kind of way. But he said, no matter what they tried to do to me, the life of Jesus was made manifest in my mortal flesh. And, and, and another way of looking at this, you know, he's talking about uh, always being delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Well, there's times where you, you may be uh, not persecuted in the way that Paul was, but, but you can feel the effects of things dying in your body because as a believer, there's things that you want to do and you're not letting yourself do them. Anybody with me? I'm not the only one. Come on. Oh, help me. So, so, so you, you might be one who's, who's feeling the, uh, uh, the, the effects of uh, disciplining the flesh and not allowing your body to do everything it wants to do. But I'll tell you what, you don't worry about a thing because no matter what kind of temporary pain you might be feeling, and that may not be physical pain, it may just be the pain of I'm not getting what I want and I want what I want and I want it right now. But here's the thing, I would rather forget about that and experience the life of Jesus being made manifest in my mortal flesh. If you get the life of Jesus in your flesh, your body's strong, your body, your, your mortal body can function at full capacity and you can do everything God put you on planet earth to do and you don't have to fizzle out before your destiny is accomplished. You don't have to fizzle out before your job is done. Glory to God. You can be quickened by him all the way until the moment where you say, I've done everything I was supposed to do. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith and I'm going to go ahead home. See y'all later. Hallelujah. But you see here in the scripture that the spirit of God and the life of Jesus being manifest in your mortal flesh, it has an effect on you. It brings life to you. It brings quickening to you. It brings health to you. Hallelujah. So much more we can get into, but that is a good place to put a cap on it for tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He says, I will to you too. Just like he said, I will to that leper so many years ago. He says, I will to you too. And there's so many things in the scripture that just make that so crystal clear. And we just looked at a few of them. But there's so much more because that's how much the Father's interested in conveying this to you of how much he loves you, 
how much he wants you well, how much he wants you healed by his power and equipped with everything that Jesus died so you could have. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we honor you tonight. Thank you for all of those that are here, those that are listening by live stream. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus and the wonderful work of redemption. Lord, we give you glory and praise and honor. Father, if there's anybody in the room tonight watching my live stream that uh, uh, they, they've just not heard the gospel like this before. They, they, they may have gone to church and punched the clock a few times, but they've never heard the gospel and the goodness of God and how much God really cares about them like they heard in the gospel they, that was preached tonight. Lord, I pray for them that they would uh, receive the gift of eternal life. All that you've got for them. That they would not go another moment putting it off or waiting for another day. Because now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. So I thank you, Lord. You're working on people's hearts tonight. For anybody here in the room, anybody live streaming. You just know that you can't go another day without making it official that Jesus is your Savior, Jesus is your Lord, and that you are putting your faith in Him. The only one who could ever rescue, rescue you, the only one who could ever save you. Tonight's your night, tonight's the opportunity. Don't miss this golden opportunity. And I want to go ahead and pray with you lead you in a declaration of faith. And I want you to go ahead and uh, just say this with me. Not just in the way that you're just, you know, being robotic about it, but really to say this and to mean it with all your heart. Because it's meaning it with all of your heart that really makes the difference. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, 